Chapter Nine of the Growth of a Soul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Growth of a Soul by August Strindberg, translated by Claude Field. Chapter Nine: Books and the Stage the history of the development of a soul can be sometimes written by giving a simple bibliography for a man who lives in a narrow circle and never meets great men personally seeks to make their acquaintance through books the fact that the same books do not make the same impression nor have the same effect upon all shows their relative powerlessness to convert anybody for example we call the criticism with which we agree good the criticism which contradicts our views is bad thus we seem to be educated with preconceived views and the book which strengthens expresses and develops these makes an impression on us the danger of a one-sided education through books is that most books especially those composed at the end of an era and at the university are antiquated the youth who has received old ideals from his parents and teachers is accordingly necessarily out of date before his education is completed when he enters manhood he is generally obliged to fling away his whole stock of old ideas and be born again as it were time has gone by him while he was reading the old books and he finds himself a stranger among his contemporaries john had spent his youth in accumulating antiquarian lore he knew all about marathon and canet the war of the spanish succession and the thirty years war the middle ages and antiquity but when the war between france and germany broke out he did not know the cause of it he read about it as he would have read a play and was interested to see what the result of it would be in christenberg where he spent the summer with his parents he lay out on the grass in the park and read owenschlager for his degree examination he had besides his chief subject ascetics to choose a special one and enticed by dietrichson's lectures he had chosen danish literature in owenschlager he had found the summit of northern poetry that was for him the quintessence of poetry the directness which he admired perhaps for the very reason that he had not got it the danish language perhaps also contributed to this result it seemed to him an idealized swedish and sounded like his mother's speech from the lips of a woman worshipped from afar when he read owenschlager's helge tegner's frithjof's saga seemed to him petty he found it unwieldy prosaic clerical unpoetic Owenschlager's dramas were a book which had an influence on john by way of a supplementary contrast perhaps the romantic element in them found an echo in the youth's mind which had now awoken to poetic activity and looked upon poetry and romance as identical other contributory circumstances were his liking of norse antiquities which Owenschlager had just discovered and the unrequited love he had just then for a blonde maiden who was engaged to a lieutenant but the impression made by owenschlager was only fleeting and hardly lasted a year it was a light spring breeze which passed by 
it fared worse with john's study of ascetics as expounded by jung grimm in two closely printed volumes containing the views of all philosophers on the beautiful with a capital b but giving no satisfactory definition of it john had studied the antique in the national museum and asked himself how the pothouse scenes of the dutch genre painters which when they occurred in reality were called ugly could be reckoned among beautiful pictures although they were in no way idealized to this the ascetic philosophers gave no answer they shirked the question and set up one theory after another but the only excuse they could find for the admission of ugliness was that it acted as a foil and provided a comic element but a strong suspicion had been aroused in john that the beautiful with a capital b was not always beautiful furthermore he was troubled by doubts whether it was possible to have independent standards of taste in the newly founded paper schwerdische zeitschrift he had read discussions about works of art and seen how disputants on both sides defended their position with equally strong arguments one sought beauty in form another in subject and a third in the harmony between the two accordingly a well-painted subject from still life can rank higher than the niobe for this group of statuary is not beautiful in its outlines the arrangement of the drapery of the principal figure being especially tasteless although the judgment of the majority regards the work as sublime therefore the sublime does not necessarily consist in beauty of form victor hugo's romances had found a fertile soil in john's mind the revolt against society the reverence paid to nature by the poet living on a lonely island the scorn for the ever-prevalent stupidity the indignation against formal religion and the enthusiasm for god with a capital g as the creator of all with a capital c all that was germinating in the young man's mind began to grow but was stifled by the autumn leaf drifts of old books john's life in the domestic circle was now a quiet one the storms had subsided his brothers and sisters were grown up his father who still always sat over his account ledgers calculating the ways and means of providing for his flock of children had become older and now perceived that john was also older they often discussed together topics of common interest as regards the franco-german war they were both fairly neutral as latinized teutons they did not love the german they hated and feared him as a sort of uncle with a right of seniority against the swedes and they did not forget that victorious prussia had once been a swedish province the swede had become more french than he was aware and now he felt conscious of his relationship to la grande nation in the evenings when they sat in the garden and the noise of traffic had ceased they heard the singing of the marseillaise from blanche's cafe and the hurrahs which were soon to be silent in august when the theatres reopened john received the long-desired news that his play had been accepted for the stage that was the first intoxicating success which he had experienced to have a play accepted by the theatre royal when he was only twenty-one 
was sufficient compensation for all his misfortunes his words would reach the public from the first stage in the land his failure as an actor would be forgotten his father would see that his son amid all his notorious fluctuations had chosen right and all would be well in autumn before the university term began the piece was performed it was naive pious and full of reverence for art but had one dramatic scene which saved it in spite of its slightness thorvaldsen about to shatter the statue of jason with his hammer but on the other hand the piece contained a presumptuous outburst against contemporary rhymers what was the author's intention in that how could a beginner who had so many forced rhymes himself cast a stone at another it was a piece of temerity which found its own punishment john stole to the bottom of the third row of seats to view the performance of his piece from a standing position red was already there before him and the curtain was up john felt as though he stood under an electric machine every nerve quivered his legs shook and his tears ran the whole time from pure nervousness red had to hold his hand in order to quiet him now and then there was applause but john knew that it was mostly from his relatives and friends and did not let himself be deceived every stupidity which had inadvertently escaped him now jarred on his ear and made him quiver he saw nothing but crudeness in the piece he felt so ashamed that his ears burned before the curtain fell he rushed away out into the dark market-place he felt as though annihilated the attack on the priests was stupid and unjust the glorification of poverty and pride seemed to him false his description of the relationship between father and son was cynical how could he have shown off in this absurd way it seemed to him as though he had exposed his nakedness and shame overpowered every other feeling on the other hand he found the actors good the mise en scène was more appropriate than he had expected everything was good except the piece itself he wandered down to the nordstrom and felt inclined to drown himself what most annoyed him was that he had so openly exhibited his feelings whence came that and why should one in general be ashamed of such exhibitions why are feelings so sacred perhaps because the feelings in general are false as they only express a physical sensation in which personality of the individual does not fully participate if it is really so then john was ashamed as an ordinary man to have been untruthful in his writing and to have worn disguise to be moved at the sight of human suffering is regarded as a mark of fine feeling and meritorious but it is said to be only a natural reflex movement one involuntarily transfers the sufferings of the other to oneself and suffers for one's own sake another's tears could bring one to weep just as another's yawning could make one yawn that was all john felt ashamed that he had lied and caught himself in the act though the public had not caught him no one is such a merciless critic as a dramatist who sees his own play acted he lets no single word pass through his sieve 
he does not lay the blame on the actors but generally admires them for rendering his stupidities with such taste john found his place stupid it had lain by for half a year and perhaps he had outgrown it another piece was performed after it which lasted for two hours during the whole time he wandered about in the streets in the darkness feeling ashamed of himself he had made an appointment to drink a glass with some friends and relatives after the performance in the hotel du nord but remained away he saw they were looking for him but did not wish to meet them so they went in again to see the second play at last it was over the spectators streamed out and dispersed through the streets he hastened away in order not to hear their comments at last he saw a single group standing under the portico of the dramatic theatre they were looking out in all directions and called him finally he came forward as pale and melancholy as a corpse they congratulated him on his success the play had been applauded and was very good they repeated to him the verdicts of other spectators and quieted him then they dragged him to a restaurant and compelled him to eat and drink that will do you good you old death's head said a shop assistant john was soon pulled down from his imaginative flight what have you got to be melancholy for he was asked when you have had a play acted at the theatre royal he could not tell them his boldest ambition was fulfilled but it was probably not what he wanted the thought that in any case it was an honor did not comfort him the next morning he went into a shop and bought the morning paper and read a criticism to the effect that the piece was written in choice language and since it was anonymous probably by a well-known art critic who had moved among artistic circles at rome that was pleasant and cheered his spirits at noon he started for Uppsala. his father had engaged a room for him in a boarding-house kept by the widow of a clergyman that he might complete his studies under proper supervision End of chapter nine